of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Maha Udayam, multi-glories, Prochuhu, spoke, Tranjuleha, with folded hands, Vipraha, the four Brahmanas, Prahrishta, extremely delighted, Trupita Tataha, Hair standing on end. Translation by His Divine Grace. The four Brahmana sages were nevertheless extremely delighted to behold Him. Capital H, all you can say. And they experienced a thrill throughout their bodies. They then spoke as follows to the Lord who had revealed the multi-glories of the Supreme Personality through his internal potency, Yogamaya. Please repeat. The four Brahmana sages were nevertheless extremely delighted to behold him. And they experienced a thrill throughout their bodies. They then spoke as follows to the Lord, who had revealed the multi-glories of the Supreme Personality through his internal potency, Yoga Maya. Therefore, by his divine grace, the sages were almost too puzzled to speak before the Supreme Personality of Godhead for the first time. And the hairs of their bodies stood erect due to their extreme joy. The highest opulence in the material world is called Paramistya, the opulence of Brahma. But that material opulence of Brahma, who lives on the topmost planet within this material world, cannot compare to the opulence of the Supreme Lord, because the transcendental opulence in the spiritual world is caused by Yogamaya, whereas the opulence in the material world is caused by Mahamaya. Te Yoga Maya Paramistya Mahodaya Prochu Pranjalayo Vitaha Prahrishtak Shubita Tochaha. The four Brahmana sages were nevertheless extremely delighted to behold him, and they experienced a thrill throughout their bodies. They then spoke as follows to the Lord, who had revealed the multi-glories of the Supreme Personality through his internal potency, Yoga Maya. So just imagine the extent of the ecstasy that the four Kumaras felt because they got the darshan of the Lord. Um, of course, every day we're getting the darshan of the Lord, but we may or may not be experiencing that ecstasy, depending upon our receptivity 
and our consciousness. But um, clearly, the four Kumaras are in very good consciousness, uh, even though they're not quite devotees until they got this experience of the Lord. But um, they fully embraced it and took it to heart, the darshan of the Lord. And they became transformed <coughs> from uh, the Brahma bodies to bhakti yogis by this experience. Now we may not be able to relate to that exactly because we are not Brahmavadis. We're not Brahman realized persons. Brahma Bhuta Prasadatma Nasuchati Nakakshati Samaksarvesha Bhuteshu Matbhaktim Labati One who is on the platform of Brahma Bhuta then uh, Prasadatma is Prasana, very blissful, very happy. Prasana, extremely so. Nasochati, Nakamshati. He doesn't hanker for any material sense gratification. And he doesn't lament for any lost opportunities to enjoy this material world. So he's not overjoyed at receiving some gain in this world, either gross or subtle. Nor is he disturbed by any loss, uh, gross or subtle. And he's not interested in this, the amelioration of his body, mind, and senses. To who is on the roof? <laughs> Am I just boom, boom, boom? Uh, it's too early for Christmas. Can't be Santa Claus in the rain. <clears throat> so, um, but nevertheless, they have this experience of the darshan of the Lord that is a wonderful thing. And then we're going to hear more. We're going to hear uh, from their own mouths how they respond and pray to the Lord. It's very wonderful. So in this purport, his divine grace, the Prabhupada um, makes this distinction between the material and the spiritual energies. That no matter what kind of opulence we may uh, aspire for or achieve in this material world, even if it's up to the opulence of the topmost planet in the spiritual world known as Brahma Loka, the abode of Lord Brahma, that is an extremely spiffy place. It is a greater than the greatest opulent resort imaginable. Uh, because it's on a different plane than the plane we're on. <coughs> so, um, People generally aspire to enjoy some opulence. And those who really aspire in the highest way, they want to go to Brahma Loka and enjoy that opulence there. But that opulence, as fantastic as it is, and it is fantastic in terms of, of material 
considerations is nothing compared to the opulence of the spiritual world. So if you really want to go for the opulence, then why settle for some material experience which is temporary? Abrahma Bhuvana Loka Narutana Arjuna Mamupetitakontiya Punarjanma Navintite. That from the highest planet in this material world, Brahma Loka, down to the lowest, Krishna is saying, uh, all are places of misery. Thank you. You know your shloka, that's very good. Wherein repeated birth and death take place. So, what good is that? That's not going to satisfy you. Um, no matter how fabulous it may be in Brahmaloka, it makes our billionaires here on earth look like, you know, paltry uh, shantytown dwellers. Just like an ordinary person with a nice house would see a person who lives in a tin shack in a shantytown, in the, like in the townships of South Africa. He would consider that most disturbing most unwanted and oh how lamentable. So even the highest opulence our billionaires have, the residents of Brahma Locus like, you know, down to earth, a bunch of street dogs, uh, groveling and huffling for some scraps. But what is the difference, even though the standard of opulence is magnified so many times there in Brahmaloka, but still there's birth and death, and the conditioned souls suffer due to lack of Krishna consciousness there as well as here. But actually, it's better to be here if you analyze it. Why is that? Because in the Kali Yuga, the process of going back home, back to Godhead, is so simple and sublime that even the, it is said that the demigods are lining up to take birth in the Kali Yuga in order to take part in the Sankirtan movement of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Who knows? Sometimes they become the children of devotees. We see many children of devotees after a couple of generations now of Prabhupada's preaching that these are some amazing personalities with so many talents and opulences and love for Krishna consciousness, especially Kirtan. Who are these people? Where did they come from? Well, they're lining up to take birth. It's like, you know, heavenly planets are okay, but you know, it's too much opulence, too much sense gratification. But down on earth, they got the Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, ISKCON thing going, and it is fantastic. That's where you want to be. So, Prabhupada says the opulence in the material world is caused by the material energy, 
Mahamaya. So it has this temporary quality for one thing. And just that, that alone is enough to, uh, for an intelligent person to realize that, well, this is no good. This is not a, a, a destination or a goal worth having because it's temporary and I'm eternal. That's an intelligent person or one who's realized or one who's trained. Start to become trained up in Krishna consciousness. Uh, it requires training, experience, practice. We have to become trained up. Uh, and when we become nicely trained up, uh, then our experience of Krishna consciousness is so much the better because we're properly trained up. That was Prabhupada's original idea. He put an ad that we heard, we read in Jogeshwar's book, and it's also elsewhere, that Prabhupada put an ad in the newspaper, wanted young candidates to become trained as Brahmanas, to preach Krishna consciousness all over the world, in the newspaper in Calcutta, <laughs> in the 1950s. There were no responses. Hard enough to try to sell something on Craigslist these days, what to speak of, you know, wanted someone to surrender their life to Krishna and become qualified to go back to God. Put an ad in the newspaper, no one will call. But this uh, yoga practice of Krishna consciousness requires training. And then the, uh, the training um, it's very advantageous for our development. And some aspects of the training we may like, some aspects of the training we may not like initially because of our own uh, conditioning or situation within the modes of nature. But at least we should have the perspicacity to be aware of the fact, after reading Bhagavad Gita, that we are caught up by the modes of nature and being pushed around. One thinks it. I am doing everything in the material energy. It is by my endeavors, uh, by my potencies, uh, by my intelligence. Uh, but the modes of nature are carrying out the activities within the material nature. But because we're uh, bewildered, fooled by ahankara, our false ego which is a, a component of our material existence, of our subtle body. There's this gross body, the flesh, blood, organs, and all that stuff. Bhumirapo, Kalovayam, Kamanobhuri, which that's the gross body. Then Then the subtle body is um, composed of the mind, the intelligence and the false ego. Now this ahankara, there's no real English equivalent 
but it is it is that uh, binding force of misidentified selfhood uh, that causes us to think that we're a material product, this body, and that we are just part of the material energy. Like everyone thinks they're part of the material energy, their body, their mind, um, their sense of self. Everyone thinks like that. I thought like that. I'm trying to not think like that, but I have always thought like that. And so our our vision is covered by this ahankara, and this ahankara is a as a, a byproduct of our desire to be the enjoyer, as if we were Krishna, which we are not. <clears throat> we would like to be, or at least we would like to have the advantages <laughs> of being Krishna, you know, master of all mystic powers, whatever you desire, as automatically happening by multifarious potencies, but that is not our position. But we like that position. That sounds very attractive. Oh, yes. Let me become the master of all mystic powers, and then I just poof everything that I want, poof, into existence, like like a bewitched, you know? Pico, pico, pico. A little tweak of the nose, and then everything happens like as if by magic, mystic powers. That was a, that was a TV show in the 60s. It's just a wrinkle in nose, and then everything would happen. <clears throat> Very, yeah. or there was another one. I dreamed with Jeannie where she would go. She would put her arms away and blink, and then all mystic powers were there. But that is fantasy. That is illusion for the most part. But those were there are those who accomplished mystic yogis. But only after long, long, long yoga practice and austerities and meditation and living in a solitary place and all those things. And in this day and age, I mean, you would see that in former ages, but in this day and age, there are very few and you don't see them. And it's all practically impossible. But far superior to that, um, those mystic opulences that are there in the material energy are the opulences of the spiritual world. Sriya kanta kanta talpakara vatara purusho explained in the Brahms of Ita near the end. That in the in the abode of Krishna, every word is a song. So speaking is music, very beautiful, mellifluous, melodic speaking. Perspicacity. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at that. Yeah, I can tell. Good for you. Prabhupada <clears throat> said he carried an Oxford dictionary. <laughs> He looked up words and had to make sure he spelled them right and what they meant. Therefore, he uses a lot of wonderful words in his books because he always kept the Oxford Dictionary. <clears throat> he was telling that to Hamsaduda, who was acting as a secretary sometimes in Papa's side. I know she'd make two or three spelling mistakes in every letter. 
And he's apologizing. Oh, Brahman, I never finished high school. Brahman said, do what I do, just carry the Oxford Dictionary with you <laughs> at all times. Now we have dictionary.com app. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he's doing. Just look it up on your phone. <clears throat> So not only is every, all the speech is music, but walking, it is not walking, it is dancing. It's like, you know, I'm going to get up and walk to the kitchen. Well, not just get up and walk, but kind of bounce and float with artistic mudras and gestures. It's dancing, that's the way they, that's the way they roll in the spiritual world. And the houses are made of Chintamani stone. And uh, the transcendental effulgence is brewing everywhere. So everywhere there's transcendental effulgence manifesting instead of just ordinary, you know, uh, carbon polluted air with acid rain and uh, chemical traces and so many things that we have in our air. Instead, the transcendental effulgence is brewing everywhere. You don't get sunburned either. So that is the real opulence, the real natural opulence of the platform of the spiritual energy, which is the Lord's internal energy. But we are so attracted to the glittering of the material nature and so dumbfounded by what is actually our own desire to enjoy. This is the real impediment is actually desire. Everything is based on desire. If we desire Krishna consciousness and act on that desire, then we'll become fully Krishna conscious. Imagine that. How nice that would be. Like we sing every morning in Guru Puja. My only desire is to have my consciousness purified by the words emanating from the lotus feet of the spiritual master. My only desire is like Ekeha Guru Nandana. I don't I wanna don't want to become diverted or deviated by lesser things. I mean if you're gonna put out your energy, you might as well put out your energy for the highest thing, for the best thing. <coughs> and that is the intelligence or discrimination of the Krishna conscious person. Therefore, we were just hearing that um, yesterday in the class that an ordinary person cannot understand the platform of the Vaishnava, why he's doing what he's doing and what is he doing. Vaishnava Kriya Vigena Mujaya. You cannot understand what the Vaishnava is actually doing, unless you are another Vaishnava. And ordinary people can't understand. They just they can't fathom what are the what are these activities in Krishna consciousness and what is the actual goal. They cannot understand the Tevatus unless they become educated and trained by Krishna. So Srila Prabhupada is hoping and praying 
that we will come to that platform of Vaishnava where our only desire is to engage in Krishna conscious activities. Uh, and eliminate anything else. Like sometimes in writing or in, in composing words or in writing music, you, you write down all your ideas and then you go back and you edit and you revise. And a lot of times, tell me if this is true, senior editor person, that uh, that editing process, you just get rid of stuff. You trim away and you just leave the essence. That's what we're doing in video editing and basically in writing editing, it's just all about boiling the milk. Right. Yeah, you, you, you get rid of what's unnecessary and you express uh, true eloquence succinctly. Uh, and you, you cut away the fat and you're left with the heart. So also in writing music, you may have all these phrases, these ideas, and then you, you, you put them together, but then you have to eliminate things. It's too cluttered. Same thing and when you're mixing a recording. You have all this stuff, and sometimes you just need to pull out stuff and leave the essential parts, and then it comes together. It's more beautiful. Uh, because the tendency is want to put everything in there and make it all cluttered. <clears throat> so our hearts and minds are so cluttered up like this with extraneous stuff, anartanivriti, that's called. So the process of Krishna consciousness means to get rid of all the stuff that we don't need, that we don't want. And what's left is pure Krishna consciousness the pure soul. But we've burdened ourselves with all this extraneous clutter. And so, just like we have experience when some room in the temple somewhere, perhaps, it's got cluttered up with so much junk, well, you get rid of all the junk, and then it becomes a nice room. Whereas it has so much stuff in there, it wasn't nice. It was just chaos. And, you know, spiders hiding around and stuff. And it was dirty. But you get rid of the stuff, take it over to Goodwill, <laughs> which we do. And then clean it. Everything is very nice, simple, clean, beautiful. So this is a principle. So our heart is like that. It is cluttered up with so much uh, flotsam and jetsam of material desires. Lust, anger, greed, madness, illusion, envy. Those are the six primary things. Um, and we're bewildered and attached to it all, to all that crap. We're just attached to it. We've, we've grown comfortable carrying it around, although it's a great burden, and it actually impedes our uh, true happiness and satisfaction and causes us to take birth after birth after birth after birth in pursuit. So 
Krishna consciousness is Chaito Darpanamarchana, it's the cleansing process. And as we uh, practice that cleansing process, chanting, hearing, serving, associating with devotees, uh, giving our energy to assisting uh, Srila Prabhupada's movement, then those unwanted things begin to, we see that they're not important and then we let go of our attachment to them. But like a hoarder, he doesn't want to let go of all the stuff. They have these TV shows where they like try to intervene in the lives of hoarders. And their house is so full that there's just like a little narrow path through the room to get to like the living room or the kitchen, this little narrow path and there's junk piled up all the way to the ceiling everywhere and you can't, all well, there's a tiny little space to get through. Uh, so they try to intervene these well-wishers <laughs> to help the hoarders get rid of their junk and improve their life. But they're so attached, they don't want to let it go. They don't want to let it go. There's this one TV show about these guys that go around and find collections of junk in old barns and stuff. And they find items that they buy and then they can clean it up or sell it for a profit. But sometimes they go to these places and the guys have tons of junk, just room after room after room of storage with all this junk. And they say, well, how much you want for that? And the guy goes, oh, I can't sell that. Well, how much you want for this? I can't sell that. It's like, well, you know, we came here with the understanding, okay, we're going to make a deal and sell some stuff. Well, how about this? No, I can't sell that. <clears throat> because they're too attached. They're just too attached. They can't give it up, even though it's just, in many cases, it could be ruining their life. Having all that junk, and it's just all rotting and falling into disrepair, and they just can't give it up because they're attached. So we are like that. We are exactly like that, hoarder. Only what we're hoarding is our... Uh, material desires and our attachments within our heart based on the false ego. So, Srila Prabhupada is intervening uh, in our lives to uh, help cut away that attachment. And sometimes it requires um, less than delicate strokes. Sometimes it requires hacking with a sword. There's a verse in the first canto where it says, uh, intelligent men with sword in hand, armed with the sword of transcendental knowledge, cut the labyrinthian knots within the heart of attachment. So those knots are like tight, so tight, and our heart is so hard. We just can't give it up. We're just determined. Stubborn. What is the emblem of stubbornness? The ass. You're trying to pull the donkey by the range. You got the load in there like the washing machine has a load in there. 
And the donkey just won't go. He's braying, trying to just He's just stubborn. So um, it is not a flattering analogy to be compared to the stubbornness of the ass who is very foolish creature. Uh, but we're just like that stubborn ass. We just don't want to give it up, even though actually we know better. By this point, we know better after hearing and chanting. We do know better. But still, can't give it up. Can't give it up. So then we have to be at least honest enough to recognize that that's our position. You know, one thing they do when they intervene with addicts is they have to get them to admit, you know, uh, and they have a meeting, they all sit around in a circle of chairs and they admit to each other. You know, it's the, the therapy, the intervention. My name is Dirodata and I'm attached to sense gratification. <laughs> it is ruining my life. It's been ruining my life for billions of lifetimes. So even if we don't admit it in the group, we can admit it to ourselves that this is our perplexing situation. And then we we can appeal to Krishna, hey Krishna Karuna Sindho, oh Lord, ocean of mercy. Dinabandho Jagatpate, you are the friend of the Dinabandhu, the friend of the fallen, which I am. Uh, please give me your mercy, please help me. And then that's where we pray in group, which is the spiritual master. Ha ha prabhu koro jaya, deha mori pada jaya. Jaya means shade. So I'm burning up in this material existence in the hot sun of desire. So give me the shade under your lotus feet, the cooling shade, where I can take shelter and experience that cooling relief. So I was, when I read this purport, I uh, was really attracted to the final sentence uh, because it expresses the difference between the spiritual nature and the material nature. So Krishna addresses this point in the ninth chapter where he tells us that um, those who are not in Krishna consciousness, moga shamoga kamano, moga jnana vichaita saha rakshashima sharim chayiva, prakritim mohinim shritaha. That those who are bewildered by atheistic and demoniac views in that deluded condition Everything they do is defeated. Um, their hopes for liberation. Their fruit of activities. So this encompasses the whole modern civilization with all of our manifestation of buildings, cars, technology, material culture. It's all completely defeated. Uh, their culture of knowledge. 
Moga Gyan of the Chaitasaha. It's just dashed upon the rocks of the material energy. And there's no success and there's no hope of that. A little dark for some people <laughs> to hear that. <laughs> you know, with just one wave of the hand, Prabhupada condemns the whole material energy and the whole material civilization as just fools and rascals. But it is a fact. So what to do then? That's explained in the next verse. Krishna doesn't just leave us hanging on the cliff of dark defeat. But he says, Mahatmanas to Mamparta, Daivan Prakatimashita. This is a solution. This is what the great souls do. Daivan Prakatimashita. Ashitaha means they take shelter. Daivan Prakatim of the internal spiritual potency. They worship me. They're fully engaged in devotional service because they know Krishna as the Supreme Personality of Godhead, the source of all potencies. Original Personality of Godhead, Adi Purushan, an inexhaustible Adhyayana. So how do they do that? It's explained in the next verse. Number 14. Satatam kirta yanto ma yatatascha dhridavrataha namasintascha ma bhaktya nitya yukta upasati. What do they do? Satatam kirta yanto ma. They're always engaged. Satatam means always. Satatam kirta yanto ma. Chanting about Krishna. Chanting Hare Krishna. Chanting the glories of Krishna. Preaching Krishna consciousness. Talking about Krishna talking about Krishna's teachings, his pastimes, expressing their realizations. And working very hard to be Krishna conscious, with great determination. Brataha means a vow. Very strong vow to be Krishna conscious, always, and not deviating. Namasyantas, offering obeisances. Namasantas chamam bhaktya, in devotion. Nitya yukta upasate, always engaged in worshiping Krishna, always engaged in chanting Hare Krishna. Nitya yukta upasate, always engaged in working for Krishna's business. So those are some very beautiful verses. Krishna shows us the dark side and then shows us the light. Tamasirma jyotir gamaha. Tamas, Tamasi means the darkness. Tamas, ignorance, darkness. Tamasirma Jyotir Gama. That that um, that the doctor, what's your name? Vasanta. Dr. Weiss that comes here and does the bhajanas. She sings this Tamasirma Jyotir Gama verse. There's more to it. That's one of the songs they sing. They do a nice thing, Vishnu. Tamasirma Jyotir Gama. Prabhupada was fond of quoting that. Don't indulge in the darkness, but go towards the light. In other words, don't take shelter of Maya, but fully turn your face towards Krishna. What does the Lord Vrishabdev say? Mahatsevam, Dwaram, Ahurvi Mutas. 
Dwaram Ahurvimuktes, the door of liberation is wide open, Mahat Sevam, for those who serve the great souls, the great devotees. And Tamodwaram, again, this Tama. Tamodwaram, there's another door, Yoshita Sangi Sangram, that is the path to hell for those who want to enjoy sense gratification as their main business. And then he explains about the Mahatmas. Mahatmas stay Sangachitamashantavimandirakshudivasamabhogi. So, therefore, it's very important to always keep our association with the devotees. And every devotee in our community may not be a Uttama Adhikari. That's all right. But we keep company with like-minded devotees who want to be on the path of Krishna only and always remind each other and reinforce each other. Prabhupada gives the example of the stock exchange. If you want to make money in the market, you go to the stock exchange. And there everyone is concerned with one thing only, making money in the market. And it rubs off on you. And that's how you, by that association, you become absorbed in that particular thing. Of course, it's all done online now, but <clears throat> still that's associated by going online to the stock market places, stock market websites, you're associated. Actually, wherever you go online, you're associated. So that's where we should go online to, uh, you know, Dandavats and such places where there's devotees in Krishna Kata. Go online for that, unless we have some work to do. And we go online for that work too. <coughs> but that is association also. So your computer is association. So choose your association wisely where you go online. And don't go to nonsense kata. Um, so that there's a big distinction between the material energy and the spiritual potency. The spiritual energy, Ishvara Paramakrishna Satchit Ananda Vigraha. Satchit Ananda. It is eternal, full of knowledge, and full of bliss. And the material energy doesn't have that quality. It is Asat. Achit, Nirananda. That means Asat, temporary. Achit, full of ignorance, Nirananda. Full of suffering, just like Krishna says. It's important to know the evils of birth, death, old age, and disease. You have to understand it um, scientifically and intellectually. That's the first step in getting rid of our attachment to it. Okay, so stop here. Thank you all very much. Questions, comments, realizations, reflections. Yes. So, um, the whole ego dissipating, it must happen gradually over time. So, as someone that's been practicing Christian consciousness since I was a small kid, how does it start to dissipate over the years? Well, it's subtle, but that actually is a result of sincere practice of bhakti. 
is that the, the ahamkara, this false ego, this identification with temporal matter and wanting to enjoy, it does become dissolved. And it also depends on the individual. Someone may take the Krishna consciousness and really wholeheartedly, and someone may just take a little bit at a time, just little, you know, little drops only. And someone else may, you know, drink deep of the ocean of nectar. So that's an individual thing. One time I asked a question of one elevated Vaishnava. He was talking about, there's one place in the Bhagavatam that says one has to go on hearing for a very long time. So I asked, well, how long does it take? And the answer given was a very nice answer. He said, well, however long it takes, <clears throat> that's up to you, but you have to stay the course. It reminds me of something else. It was one devotee, friend of mine, young devotee, and he had quite a bit of weakness and attraction to sense gratification that he couldn't quite conquer. So he said, he said to me one time, what's your like ultimate realization? The highest, deepest, ultimate realization you have in Krishna consciousness? And I said, don't bloop, don't leave. And he was like, that's it? Well, I said, well, if you, go, you don't get that, you're not going to get anything. <laughs> so you have to be willing to stay the course. And that, it's no walk in the park necessarily because of uh, the nature of our attachment, the long history we have. So don't give up. Don't give up. And unfortunately, he gave up. It didn't, it didn't take my advice. I tried to help him. Don't give up. Don't go off and do some, you know, Rastafarian nonsense or whatever it was that he was doing. No, just, just hear and chant, stay with the devotees, and serve Krishna. Then you'll be good. Yes. Let's say, maybe Lord Jaitanya gave the example of watering, you know, watering the seed of devotion, but we can also be watering the, the weeds. Well, when you water the plants in a garden, the weeds grow. You can be watering your, you can be nurturing your false ego side, side by side. You don't have to ask those weeds to grow. You don't have to go get some seeds from the store to put in the garden. Those weeds are just popping up. Because the seeds are already there in the heart. And so we have to be a diligent gardener. A diligent gardener has to pull the weeds. Yes. I like the um, hoarder analogy. The hoarder? <laughs> That's for graphic example. It's like, you know, like Scrooge. He's this little selfish, envious, snake-like man who wants to hoard everything for himself. And he has no charity or compassion or love in his heart. He's all dried up and evil. So our attachment were like that Scrooge-like personality. We're all shriveled up and contaminated from our hoarding propensity. 
and we don't want to let go because we want to offer ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's this for? I'm just thinking how to change. Remember how he changed? Yeah, by seeing the uh, the fruits of his activities, and seeing the karma, the results of what he did, he became afraid. When he specifically he saw his own grave, it yeah. goes to Christmas future. Yeah. Ebenezer Scrooge. <laughs> he was horrified. But he, he he saw also how how his his um, miserliness, right. his attachment, had negatively impacted others, and how he caused them to suffer. Yeah, specifically Bob Cratchit and Tiny Tim, who had died. Yeah. Because, yeah. And then he became transformed. That's an analogy. It is a, it is a powerful yeah. analogy. So sometimes we need that shock. Yeah. You got a good shock. That's like Magari with Narada Muni. Mm. He explained, you know, his actions. That's right. When, when Narada Muni was preaching to Magari the hunter, he said, you get so much karma from this. And he says, and no one will share that karma even though you're benefiting others, your wife, your children. They're not going to take those sinful reactions. They don't want anything to do with it. They just want the money. The good results, and you're stuck with the bad karma, and no one will take it from you, and you're going to suffer greatly. And he became afraid when he realized that. He had a vision of all those animals that he had tortured and half killed coming back to haunt him and eat him up. And it was such a horrible vision. And he fell down. Please tell me. I accept you as my guru. Please tell me how. Remedy the situation because I'm afraid now that I see what awaits me, the reactions to my activities. And the Most people think they can just get away with anything and everything and there's no karma. But it's not true. The first instruction was really heavy for me, remember? Break your bow. Yeah. Break that bow of attachment. Okay, so we'll stop here. Thank you all very much. Shri Prabhupada Kija.